Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents... Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy-ass bitch. Look, he's a sick puppy. He, he, shouldn't, be, he shouldn't be there. Well, I lost... Half a day of skiing. I'm going to punch him out and I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be happy. The Betcha Sub Podcast. A speaker has not been elected. Hello, this is the Betcha Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. I'm Amanda Duberman, the news director at Betches, and today I am here with frequent guest Dr. Akila Kaday. If you are a regular listener, you already know that she is the CEO of Change Kaday, where she and her team provide people and companies with services that support anti-racism, diversity, inclusion, equity, and belonging. She is also an advocate and a content creator and just an all-around, I mean, I call you an influencer, and I mean that in truly the best the best possible way. Like you are the purest manifestation of somebody influencing for good, I think, Dr. Akila Kaday. Welcome. Thanks I'll, for joining us today. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I like it that way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. How you been? How you doing? Oh, well, you know me, living my yeah. life. I um, hung out in the ER earlier <sighs> this week because I like to keep myself on my toes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, otherwise, good. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So, you know, you have joined us for a very exciting announcement, more exciting than that, which we will get to in a couple minutes. But I kind of want to start. Listeners will notice today's date. Today, we're we're talking this episode is running on Juneteenth. So the United States Juneteenth and the mission and what we need to be thinking about is something that's really key to your work and how you advise people and companies to really kind of like honor and do what it takes to, you know, make more Americans thrive. The United States made Juneteenth a federal holiday in 2021. And so, Dr. Kaday, since then, races amended, right? It's over? That's all it took? Done. <laughs> Fixed it. Fixed it? You're out of you're out of the job? <laughs> Done. Yeah. When, when Biden and Harris were in the office, that's actually when it ended. But mm-hmm. also when Obama was in office, racism ended there, too. Just like to bring yeah. up those Maybe points. even yeah. with Clinton, famously the yeah. first black president. Because <laughs> right. saxophone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Uh, so, I mean, I think on Juneteenth, it's so, I'm sure you're thinking about this every day. This was kind of a product of the really the racial justice protests of 2020. This was sort of one of the one of one of the actions that was taken. But I think a lot of us have been thinking lately, you know, how do we make sure Juneteenth doesn't become another just like summer Monday off, like exploited by capitalists to sell stuff? I'm already seeing this, you know, a lot of places did people give people the day off. And also, I mean, my more specific question is like whose responsibility is that? I mean, as people who were, are, who are extremely, feel extremely invested and want to be allies, like what do we need to actually be thinking about today? Well, we have to give credit to Opal Lee. Um, she is the originator and advocate to make Juneteenth um, a holiday. I can't help but think about Walmart's Juneteenth ice cream, though. <laughs> right? Oh, when no, we think about that's right. <laughs> When we think about capitalism, um, because, you know, it was the celebration edition, Juneteenth ice cream, it's like, yeah, make it an ice cream. We did it. Okay, so so many things. One, America loves capitalism. Um, I've heard you talk about it from time to time. <laughs> right? It comes up infrequently. Yeah. Totally. And so there's this consumerism aspect where it's like, let's have the t-shirts, let's have the ice cream, let's have the, you know, and 
to a certain extent, there is a value add when you're supporting, you know, black owned businesses and you're bringing them into Target and they get to do a capsule collection. Like, I think that's a value add. I think that's wonderful and great. But when you get to Juneteenth ice cream time, not so great. Mm -hmm. But we have to take a step back. Juneteenth for me as a black disabled woman is my Independence Day. It's my 4th of July. I've never liked the 4th of July. Um, it hasn't been for me because, uh, particularly now, American flags are just very triggering um, because too many American flags usually leans into, you know, a little white supremacy little dabbling. Slope. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the toe or the whole foot. So um, dabbling <laughs> to full insurrection. Yeah. It used to be a cool thing. And, and yeah. I grew up in Sacramento, California. I went to the 4th of July parades. I loved the fireworks. I loved all of that. But I was an innocent youth. <laughs> I had no idea because, you know, I thought Susan B. Anthony cared about me. I thought, you know, all of these things, right, when it came down to it. But the older I got and definitely the more that I came into this work, I was like, wait, that's not my Independence Day. Juneteenth is my Independence Day. The same time I was celebrating 4th of July as a kid, I was also going to the Juneteenth Festival because um, my mom is a, um, my mom was on the COINTELPRO list. And so uh, for people who don't know, it's the counterintelligence program list. Um, people like Malcolm X, <laughs> MLK, any group that was really working for advocacy of another group was on this list. And my mom was on this list. Wow. So it makes a lot of sense for how I showed up. <laughs> and so I knew a lot about my Black history. I knew a lot about Juneteenth. We'd always go to a Juneteenth festival. My grandfather had the first Black History Museum in Sacramento, California. And so it was always a celebration for me. And so we came to, you know... May 2020, well, really May 26, 2020, mm -hmm. when after the murder of George Floyd, when people are like, oh, we need to start doing something. And the advocacy for Juneteenth happened. I was like, duh, we already do this. And a lot of people mm -hmm. already do this. So we caught up. So here we are. We're in a um, fancy clusterfuck of how do we Juneteenth and not be racist, but what does it mean for Black people? But how do we make money off of it? Is it Cinco de Mayo? How do we 4th July, not 4th July? Do we take it off? If you don't take it off, is your company racist? Like, that's where we are. Yeah. Thank you. I was like, how do I put all of that into a coherent question? But I'm glad, like, like you said, it's it's not. It's a lot of different questions. It's a lot of, um, like, uncomfortable, unnatural questions. But that's yeah. that was sort of like, that was the point. I mean, can you also just tell our listeners, because you mentioned this, and I realize I don't know the question of this, how, how did you come to this work? Oh, racism. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That'll do uh, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was experiencing um, racism, discrimination, bullying, and harassment in the, in the workplace. I didn't have time to actually process it because I was yeah. working full-time and, and doing my, my doctorate full-time. And so when I graduated, a month later, I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder. And the racist therapist, that's a whole other story, told me I had Black people problems. Um, but, uh, she did allude to how, what I was experiencing in the workplace was adding to my major depressive disorder. And that was centered around the othering I was experiencing. And so I thought to myself, like, hmm, if I feel this way and I'm Dr. Akila today, and I have all this experience, there's someone else who's also has a doctorate more or less who may feel that way as well. Um, and so, um, the business that I had uh, for consulting, I added a diversity arm to it. So I, I started Change Today as a side hustle. Yeah. Um, you know, like the stereotypical woman, black woman is doing all the things. Um, I'm also Caribbean, so that stereotype is true. <laughs> Just doing too much. Um, and uh, decided to add this diversity arm to 
see how I could support other people to not getting to the point of where harm would come into their work. Now, along the way, I wasn't planning on becoming disabled. Um, and so then I became disabled. So then I became someone who was advocating for people with disabilities, advocating for um, Black people, advocating for BIPOC, Black Indigenous people of color, advocating for AAPI, Asian American Pacific Islander, and advocating for anyone who was intentionally ignored, purposely ignored, historically excluded. And I use those words intentionally instead of underrepresented um, because, mm-hmm. you know, it puts it on the system and not the people. And so that's how I got into this work. And then and then the murder of George Floyd happened mm-hmm. and I said something on Instagram and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, I became a thing. Yeah. How, <laughs> yeah. How do you think the spirit of the eagerness to, you know, obviously that was, shouldn't have been a wake up call to so many, but it did, it did kind of, um, really force a lot of, a lot of people to start walking the walk. How do you feel like the will to really, um, all work together to achieve these goals has, I want, I want to say evolved in the past three years and obviously racism existed before the last three years and it will on. So I don't want to set this like false scale, but is there anything that you've noticed come up a lot or things you've been particularly disappointed by or things that you find yourself saying over and over again to people that ask for your insights? (laughs) Wonderful question. I always say it's called white supremacy. Why is this happening? Well, white supremacy. No, no, no. It can't be white supremacy. Mm. Well, that's how America Mm. was founded. Right. So America was founded off of white, heterosexual, cisgender, non-disabled men. And so as a result of that, they have created a country that serves them. It's the same for when we're thinking about white women. Right. Obviously, there's so much happening and you've done a wonderful job talking about it on the podcast it's the same when we think about people with disabilities. It's the same when we think about anyone who's not a heterosexual, cisgender, non-disabled white male, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is the foundation um, of America. And so I'm constantly, you know, broken record. Mm-hmm. Now, kids, a record is a device in which we <laughs> used to listen to music on. Oh, no. get stuck. The idiom's going to be outdated soon. <laughs> right? I know. But it's just this endless loop of having to remind people it's white supremacy. We have to talk about white supremacy. We have to talk about it. We have to dismantle um, white supremacy. So that typically comes up. Um, you know, the other thing that comes up a lot is, you know, what can I do? And so that means we're talking a lot about power and privilege. So what privilege do you have and what power do you have from it? Are you using your privilege for good or are you using your privilege for harm? Um, and you know, even with Juneteenth, people can use their privilege for good or they can use it for harm. Yeah. They can ice cream it or they're like going to be intentional um, and have it as a, a time to to buy black that day or that week or that month. Right. Yeah. As you were, you know, uh, just very plainly describing white supremacy as being founded by, you know, white, non-disabled, uh, cisgendered, heterosexual men. It's, it's inter- I, I couldn't help but think of, you know, the literal fights we're seeing at school boards because people that come from that background, they hear that and they think therefore bad people, which a lot of those people were bad. But I think a lot of people, it seems like what, you know, the effort to actually diversify some of the materials that kids get in school, we're kind of seeing people really react strongly to that because, you know, we've heard, we talked about on the podcast earlier this week, like Nikki Haley is really exploiting that people hear, some people hear what you just said and they hear, oh, so my my son is bad, even though you didn't say that. Why do you think that's how this discussion is being exploited? When people haven't examined how white supremacy shows up for them, 
-hmm. that makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. So the only people who say I'm not racist are racist. I'm not homophobic or homophobic <laughs> because you feel you have to declare something, right? Your actions, words, behaviors, beliefs, your attitudes would show otherwise and you wouldn't need to say that whatsoever. And so when people get into defense mode, they're wanting to protect the very comfort that they get from the structures of white supremacy. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying. He loves airplanes. He loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. There are a lot of people talking about this issue more, and there are a lot of people understanding that intersectionality obviously involves Feminism involves disability. This, these conversations need to come up when we're talking about pop culture, when we're talking about lifestyle. There are a lot of podcasts, including ours, that are talking about social justice, racial justice, politics, pop culture, lifestyle, and of course, all of the intersections. I'm curious what you think is missing overall from those conversations and like what, what's on your mind when, you're, when you think about you know, what you would add. It's remembering intersectionality because it's not usually just one thing. Yes, you know, we're saying Black Lives Matter, it's important, but we also have Pride Month right now, mm -hmm. but it's also Juneteenth and then July's Disability Pride <laughs> Month. And then we have, you know, there's lots of things that are happening. It's not just one thing. It's a intersectionality. It's a multifaceted approach into how people are thinking about um, dismantling white supremacy. So I just have to say, dismantling white supremacy is one of my favorite things. Um, but what it means is anyone who's not heterosexual, cisgender, non-disabled white male gets the same thing as that person, right? And the easy exa example mm -hmm. for listeners is obviously women's rights. We have a whole bunch going on there. No one is policing testicles, <laughs> right? I'm uh -huh. just saying, right? That doesn't happen because they have that I need privilege. a gift with that right now. <laughs> Do it. No one's yeah. placing testicles. <laughs> <laughs> Coming <not>. soon. <laughs> the yeah. stop. Um, right. So there, there's, there's, there's that. So if you are a heterosexual cisgender white woman who has more privilege than me, you can understand. Right. Mm -hmm. There's that. So, but let's say you're a heterosexual cisgender black woman. I, you know, we have more layers to that, right? Because my skin color. But then if we add disability, my disability that I have on top of it, there's more to it. I go further and further down this food chain of, of white supremacy. So dismantling mm -hmm. white supremacy means everyone gets the same. And that's because white supremacy is not a bad thing. What gas, shocker. Um, so white supremacy provides a very structured systems and support to set people up for success, to thrive 
and to have the American dream and to have all the things that they need to have right in America. When we dismantle it, it means we're doing the same exact thing for white people, for disabled people, for the LGBTQ plus community, for (laughs) women, for black people. It's just getting the same. It doesn't mean it goes into black supremacy. It's white supremacy for all. Right. It's it's white supremacy for all. The the only time that for all makes sense. Yes, truly. (laughs) That actually, that may be a really good Dr. Kaday, are you saying that all lives matter? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the funny thing about the word all is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, that's what's what's really happening. And so when we come back to, to Juneteenth, it's getting into dismantling white supremacy and acknowledging my independence day. Yeah my ancestral independence day um, and having that same amount of energy that goes into the 4th of July um, for understanding celebration and freedom Mm -hmm. because my people were not independent July 4th, 1776. It didn't happen until June 19th, 1865. Mm -hmm. Right. But that was also two years after it really happened January 1st, 1863. Mm-hmm. That's not 1776. Totally. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And I started the question by sort of like mentioning that I think a lot of us have a lot of us. I know a lot of our listeners are big podcast listeners. I have podcasts that are sort of like at the intersection of, you know, pop culture and social justice or at the intersection of like lifestyle and uh, like book reading. But as you said, like what what's missing is sort of something that can drive really deep into all of those things across them. And um, like you said, you have so many of those experiences and insights, which is why we are so, so, so thrilled to share that on July 7th in a couple of weeks, we are launching a podcast with you in the SUP feed. Yay! Wait, I... I'm getting a podcast. <laughs> yes, this is the first time we're telling her. We actually didn't even bother to schedule a meeting. So if you have been nodding along rigorously to this podcast thinking, oh, I can't wait to find out where her podcast is. I hope she has one. Starting on July 7th, we will be launching the podcast hosted by Dr. Kaday called Soft Black Woman. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit about, we've been talking so much about this, about the evolution of your relationship with this idea of Soft Black Woman. Why is rest yeah. an act of resistance? Why is that such a powerful phrase for you? And how did you come to embrace it? Because I know rest is not, it's not, it doesn't come natural to Dr. Kaday. So a bunch of questions in one. Tell us about this podcast. I love it. Well, first of all, I'm thrilled to be part of the Betches family. I cannot wait to have my podcast out in the world. Special thank you to the Betches team. Thank you, Sammy, you, Amanda, Sean, the whole crew. Um, thank you so much for it. And I, I'm thrilled. I am thrilled. So if you like my annoying voice, you can hear it every Friday. Um, <laughs> moving forward. So soft black woman is the antithesis to strong black woman. Um, there's this wonderful stereotype that I have as a black woman where I get to be strong all the time and solve the world's problems. And, you know, here I am dismantling white supremacy, a thing that is not something I created, but I'm putting my time and energy towards it. But what it means is how do we look at these things? How do we look at pop culture? How do we look at the news? How do we look at the things that are happening in the zeitgeist in a way that isn't going to come into a position where we necessarily have to solve it? Mm-hmm. or in a way in which we have to hold that space. So I'm um, sure folks can imagine, you know, anytime there's a police brutality thing that happens in a black or brown community, that takes a lot of energy from me. So yeah. what are we doing to protect ourselves from this system? 
same for people you may be able to relate. And what does it mean when there's another mass shooting or a school shooting and that with the energy and what you have to do around it? So how can we reclaim and how can we find our softness where we're supporting ourselves, what we need to tap into joy, what we need to um, realize that we're actual human beings. So recently, the past couple of months, I realized that I feel like I'm the CEO, obviously, of my company, but also of my body. So as a disabled person, I'm constantly scheduling appointments, making sure I'm just, you know, not dying, um, taking care of medication. Um, my dog also has heart conditions like me. And so I've been taking care of him. And then I take care of my clients. Mm -hmm. And I'm just always taking care of people. And so I was like, I don't feel like a human. I don't feel like a human being. I feel like a human doing. I'm always doing something. And so I've been doing more to tap into my softness, using more humor, doing this thing called, I think it's called nappe or some nap. <laughs> gotcha. So a foreign thing for me. Oh, this, that's <laughs> this thing that children do. Right. But yeah. Children do it so well. Um, trying to take naps, um, saying no more. Right. And so yeah. again, uh, the podcast is taking that energy, that vibe, my intersectionality as a black disabled woman and tying it into overall softness that yes, that we can have in general, but I'm just role modeling it as a soft black woman. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as we we're talking, I was thinking, you know, unfortunately in this fight of dismantling white supremacy, endurance is necessary. And, you know, of course, I think people would love for it to be a sprint. Um, it doesn't really matter how fast everybody runs. White supremacy doesn't want to be dismantled. So, I mean, as you're talking, it, it really sounds like an opportunity to sort of stay engaged with these issues in a sustainable way. I mean, obviously, it's all of our responsibility. But if if everybody just expects you to handle and internalize everything, you can't do anything. So the idea of sort right. of, like you said, holding space for it and acknowledging it and also recognizing that as much as our audience and we all respect you and for for your insights on this like you also you also watch TV and listen to music and want to talk about that. I watch trashy TV. Like, <laughs> okay. Just really trashy TV to be able to disconnect. I didn't know you watch trashy. What's your like go to? Um <laughs> I am a real housewives of Atlanta, yes. Potomac person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I put that on 90 day anything. Mm. Yeah, before the 90 days, after the 90 days, 90 day fiance, uh, married at first sight. Our right. listeners are probably very happy to hear that. We see we're <laughs> yeah. split. Like me and Millie are like real housewives, and then you and Elise are the 90 day, the 90 day. That that feels but like I do I, both. I'm the, you do I'm, both. Yeah, I'm the bridge. <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that is why you were going in the sub feed. I mean, like we've been talking about, you're a DI expert, a PhD, an activist. You're like alphabet soup, but you're a person. You're no. a real person. You have the knowledge mm. and insights to clock and analyze so many things, but I also like, we're talking about your huge pop culture consumer. So how do you kind of relax? Like, do you turn on a show and try not to think about it if it's problematic or, you know, I think our listeners are just curious about that overall and how you're going to approach all sorts of complicated pop culture things on soft black woman. That's an excellent question. I can find white supremacy in anything. Um, <laughs> and so I have to like, you know, be mindful to, to turn off that, that switch um, it's, it's, it's very hard, but I can get into like a little flicker mode <laughs> totally <laughs> to get there. But, you know, watching those shows that we just talked about, um, is one way to do it. Yeah. The other thing I do is, um, shop. Your clothes are amazing. 
<laughs> Thank you. It's, it's a problem. I'm, I'm also a stylist. So it's, it's, I can rationalize my habit, mm-hmm. do something to bring myself joy every day. And that's usually, um, like a childhood snack. It's very random. Capri Sun, fruit by the foot, um, specifically fruit by the foot. I can do fruit roll up, but I like fruit by the foot because I feel like I'm going on a journey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why is it so, so healing to just have a childhood snack? I don't know. Cause it reminds me of simpler times. Yeah. Um, string cheese. Yeah. I'll also do, I'll do that. And you know, for some people it may sound weird, but for me, it's just a wonderful way to get back into a human being instead of a human doing, um, and get to a softer moment, a mini cupcake, a mini brownie or something like that. Those are the ways that I do it. And I've been working more on, um, is it called dating? Cause I hate it. Dating. Dating. This, like, is that yeah. in the same category of, um, what'd you say? Naps? Nappe. Okay. Yes. Got it. Yeah. I mean, dating sucks ass like immensely, but <laughs> I, I'm actually working with a dating coach to try to change my attitude cool. around dating. I'm not done yet. So I don't know, you know, I feel like there's little forward momentums. I hate swiping. I'm not yeah. swiping, but I will happily say on a podcast, like side of my DMs if you're interested or if you know a guy who could be cool for me, just, just send me their thing. Wow. Um, yeah. But, you know, in life, out in the the wilderness, the wilds, yeah. I'm definitely open to dating because mm-hmm. I feel like another way in which I can tap into joy yeah. and have softness is to, to have a partnership. Yeah. And yeah, some of my favorite parts from the demos that we recorded were you talking about your dating life. And we should say, week. the plan is that week to week, you'll have a guest. The full burden of, yeah. of discussing all these issues won't be on you. You're going <laughs> to invite lots of cool people. Um, to talk about, you know, just like what it means to be a soft black woman. Everyone's invited in the soft black woman club and how you kind of take the week's moments from activism, a little bit of news and pop culture and how you kind of, you know, find the the childhood snack uh, of that week <laughs> to sort of, you know, acknowledge it and make space for it and and do what you can, but without necessarily letting it because we, we have to stick in it. All right. So that will be launching on July 7th and we will have more information for you. You will be seeing more of Dr. Kade across our social and learning more about the guests. But if you have ideas for who you would love to hear Dr. Kade talk to, definitely slide into our DMs too. Slide into ours. Make sure you're following. Um, you're at Change Kade or at Dr. Kade. That's on me. At, at Change Kade. Kade. Yeah. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same? the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. 
We are going to return to Juneteenth quickly because we have a game called Which Came First. In honor of Juneteenth, <laughs> we're going to attempt to put two notable events in history in the correct order. So our producers did make this list for us, which means that neither of us were given the answers beforehand, although I suspect one of us has them in their mind. <laughs> and we'll I think the idea here is just to sort of like, we sort of think that progress is linear. We assume that things happened at a certain time. And I'm, I'm curious to see uh, if these questions really challenge that. So Dr. Kaday, which came first? General order number three, which was the legal decree enforcing the Emancipation Proclamation to residents of Texas. So that's part of what we're honoring today or the founding of the Ku Klux Klan. The general order number three. You would think, I mean, I think a lot of casual people would think the KKK because wouldn't the KKK have contributed to the maintenance of slavery? Let's look. Oh, okay. Of course. You are right. <laughs> general order number three was issued first on yep. June 19th today in the year 1865. She spoiled this for us early in the podcast, <laughs> but the KKK was founded later that year yep. on Christmas Eve. On yep. Christmas Eve. Yeah. So I think it's really important that people know that you had the 13th Amendment that also happened um, in 1865. And so because these things were happening, uh, white guys were like, fuck this shit. Um, and so slave patrols turned into, were part of the reasons of why KKK happened. Mm -hmm. And if anyone's seen that classic photo of like... <laughs> like Santas and enslaved people around a whole bunch of hooded folks. That is Christmas Eve. That, wow. That's, yeah. yep, by six former officers of the Confederate Army. Um, yeah, I mean, the amount of, the amount oh, of yeah, tragedy that could have mm -hmm. been avoided had white men not said fuck this shit. Could have, <laughs> it's astounding. Yeah. All right, our next one. Which came first? The first African-American astronaut to visit outer space. Or the birth of the internet. Okay, well, we first started going to outer space in what? Oh, okay, like the 60s, 60s, 70s? Yeah. Um, this is a good one um, because the birth of the internet was before people realized the internet happened. Mm. Um, Al Gore did physically give birth to it, right? I believe yeah. is what happened. <laughs> but he labored for a full day. Ooh, this is it. I, I, am, I am going to say the birth of the internet. You're right. You're right. Yeah. This one's Ooh. close, though. They were both in 1983. Yeah, because there's there's. Wow. Mm -hmm. But the notable part yeah. about this is that the that an African American astronaut did not go to space until 22 years after the first person. So it took yeah two two decades. Yeah, this is um kind of a fairly similar approach. Which came first, the first black U.S. senator, or Alexander Graham Bell's first telephone patent? So this one is interesting because it was the first U.S. senator, I think. I don't know. The first black senator was first. So Senator Rhodes Revels took office in February of 1870, and the telephone patent wasn't granted until 1876. When Revels arrived in Washington, D.C., Southern Democrats in office opposed seating him in the Senate, basing their opposition on the 1857 Dred Scott decision by the Supreme Court which ruled that people of African ancestry were not and could not be citizens. And they argued that no black man was a citizen before the 14th Amendment was ratified in 1860, 1868. And thus Revels could not satisfy the requirement of the Senate for nine years prior to citizenship. So they really, they really dug in there to make sure that he could not be a U.S. senator. Yep. All right. Finally here, Tex which came first? Texas establishes Juneteenth as an official state holiday or Columbus Day is named as an official federal holiday in the United States. Woof. Which one came first? Yeah. Um, Columbus Day. 
Definitely. Yeah. Columbus Day came first. It was an official holiday in 1971, and Texas didn't officially recognize Juneteenth as a holiday until the late 1970s. That's when the Texas legislature de- declared Juneteenth a holiday of significance, particularly to the blacks of Texas. <laughs> this bill passed through the Texas legislature in 1979, and it was officially made a state holiday on January 1st, 1980. But of course, as we all know, it took another 41 years for it to become a federal holiday. And as you were getting your PhD, did you have a lot of moments where you were like, holy shit, this didn't happen until then? I don't I don't think I did. I yeah, For me, it was like, your parents have told white. you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So listeners, we are so excited for Softback Women again. It will be launching on July 7th and we'll be sharing more information, making sure you actually don't have to do anything. As long as you're subscribed to this podcast, it will drop in your feed every Friday. It is such a perfect way to go into the weekend. And it really provides, you know, we got a lot of feedback from our audience that they like the SUPS approach. They like the community, um, but they'd love to have a little bit more lifestyle, a little bit more pop culture, and of course, just more voices. And this was the perfect opportunity to do that. So we are so excited to get started. Samesies. That is our show for today. Please remember to rate and review if you love the show. And of course, slide into Dr. Kade's DMs or ours on SUP and let us know who you want to see on Soft Work Women. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman, and this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales Pico, and Rebecca Sasmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sasmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at SUPPod at Betches. Betches.